Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have a great chat room, so Ravinder, tell us all about it, please. Yes, we do have a great chat room, a great group of people. Uh, It adds a whole new dimension to the show itself. You get to um, ask questions. Everyone in the chat room always has their own opinions, too. So that can be kind of fun and very educational. So do come join us at provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. All right. Now, last week we didn't have a live show. And that was because I got some kind of a gombu, and my timid wife was unwilling to take the show on by herself. However, today, if that gombu trace that remains, that bit that causes me to cough from time to time, picks up, you may find that suddenly I'm not talking. Instead, she's talking. She is prepared to take the show. Is that right, Ravinder? I think with a guest like we have today, it's going to be smooth sailing. All right, this week I want to explore the idea of suggestion. Not long ago, I met a business associate from Germany in Las Vegas. He loves magic, so we decided to take in a magic show while we were there. I was asked to assist the magician by pretending to have lost my watch, a watch that he would find. I wonder, how many tricks are really not tricks, but rather some sort of staged event? Now, I've studied and used hypnosis for over 30 years, and I know of certain hypnotic trips that are absolutely not staged. Was it group hypnosis, the power of suggestion, which led to the amazement that followed as this magician performed what I sat in the audience and knew was a setup, no magic at all. Speaking of hypnosis, I recently gave a lot of thought to an idea suggested by Richard Bach in his book, Hypnotizing Maria. Imagine that a stage hypnotist has hypnotized you. The experience will seem quite real, even if it's a pure hallucination, negative or positive. By that, a negative hallucination occurs when you fail to see what is there, and a positive when you see what is not there. So imagine that you have been imprisoned in a room without doors. Further, imagine that the room is made of solid concrete, like a bomb shelter or bunker, and that the walls, floor, and ceiling are several feet thick. You're trapped inside this room without exits. Okay, think about this for a moment. Perhaps you circle on the stage floor, walking around the room that only you can see. The audience has been told that you believe that you are trapped in a solid concrete room. You touch the cold walls when the hypnotist suggests that you try to find a way out. They're hard. You push on them and find that they are Not just cold and hard, but the surface is rough like a sidewalk, meeting every suggestion the hypnotist gives you. You kick the wall and it hurts your foot. When prompted to by the hypnotist, you search for seams and find none. You begin to worry. 
How would you get out? He suggests that perhaps you're trapped. What if the light disappears? Where is the light coming from? Fear begins to crawl over you. Okay, now imagine that you're in the audience. You're witnessing a hypnotized individual trapped in an imaginary room. That is, the barrier perceived as a concrete wall does not actually exist. The walled-in subject is trapped only by their beliefs. From your perspective in the audience, it seems almost ridiculous that this self-imposed belief, this hallucination, this state of mind in hypnosis could possibly be real. You laugh at the antics of the hypnotized as they become frantic to escape. Their antics grow ever more panicked. You laugh louder and harder. Okay, now imagine that you are living in a world full of your own self-imposed limitations, and you're doing so right now, right this very minute. How many of these self-imposed walls have you been hypnotized to believe are real? Isn't that what accepting a suggestion is? A state of hypnosis? How many suggestions have you accepted by the world around you, your peers, the media, family, parents, etc., that have become your walls, your barriers? We live in a world where it seems that most seek to entrap us in this or that argument, as though they are only choices. They are not. Perhaps we need to dehypnotize ourselves. Questioning everything we believe is one way to begin. I wrote Choices and Illusions to expose the extent of this programming and reveal some of our true alternatives. It is my hope that you will seek to separate the suggestion, especially the self-limiting negative suggestions, from the sincere and potentially true. For I'm absolutely convinced that within everyone there exists a vast yet largely untapped source of energy and ability. Your thoughts on this one, Ravinder? I really like this one. There is a great deal of food for thought in this. You know, when I when I first heard this, you know, you've talked to me about this before. And when I first heard it, I didn't quite get it because it's hard to relate a hypnotist on performing on stage with the things that we experience in real life. But the more I think of it, I can think of examples. I'm not going to give specific examples on the air because they're just not popular ideas. But there are certainly things I've looked at where where it's like, is everyone asleep? Why don't they see things the same way I do? Why am I the odd one out here? It is so glaringly obvious to me and everyone is going on as though there's not a problem there and there are there are lots of those kinds of examples so when i think of that yeah you know you have to then turn it back and say well what else am i asleep about what else am i taking for granted what else am i not thinking of and there's a really hard balance between being open to new ideas and just being a sponge that sucks in everything that goes goes, on out there it goes further than that i guess to me i think I think of the young man who was absolutely convinced he was a terrible student and uh, very poor at math uh, because he had been told he was stupid and he was told he was terrible at math and he was told, you know, you, you need a job like digging ditches, you know, emptying trash. Yeah. And when, you, when he learned to change that belief, all of a sudden he was an A student. 
He was an A student in every subject, but he excelled in mathematics, especially. He was a bright musician before, but and and and, and math and music are are very close to the same thing, as you know. But uh, here was an example of someone who, like many of us, had been told all their life they weren't smart enough, they weren't pretty enough, they weren't handsome enough, they weren't good enough, they somehow were deficient, and they accepted that, and they lived their life accordingly. It's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Our last live show featured John Truman Wolf, and we discussed the coming financial crisis. Daryl wrote, this deal about bail-ins is scary. They take your money and give you stock in the bank instead. How do you pay your bills with their worthless stock? I so agree, Daryl. All the more reason to move to a local bank or savings and loan and maybe have accounts in more than one. CB remarked, it's like the New York Bank is shorting the U.S. economy. Right on. Mark wrote, I believe that acquiring silver coins is a good way to go. It's affordable in actual currency. Moving on, Lisa wrote, thank you for your Intertalk CDs. I have benefited so much from their use over the past two years. And Vesta wrote, I am using Intertalk Quantum Younging. I am keeping daily notes, sleeping longer, body remarkably refreshed, increased focus and energy. God bless you. I love those kind, don't you? I do, most certainly. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon. That's E-L-D-O-N at eldontaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. And I want to thank all of you for your letters and comments. We truly do appreciate your feedback and support. Now to this week's show. Positive thinking will never change your life. You may ask, what do you mean positive thinking will not change my life? Well, today's guest used to teach positive thinking. So what changed his mind? Or is there something else here that we're missing? All right, let me tell you a little about today's guest. David Essel began his career in the health and fitness industry and quickly was named Mr. Motivation by Lifetime Television and the Master of Motivation by American Fitness Magazine. He parlayed this worldwide reputation into the world of athletes and athletics after getting his master's degree in fitness management where his emphasis on sports psychology led him to work as the mental success counselor for basketball and tennis players from around the USA. In 1990, a chance encounter with an athletic client who desired a life free of resentments against her former husband led him deeply into the world of relationship work with both singles and couples. That same year, he became one of the first nationally recognized master life coaches in the USA, as his work was featured weekly on national radio and television shows. In 1996, David created Life Coach Universe, a life coach certification organization that has certified individuals wanting to make a difference in this world from across the U.S., Spain, Bermuda, and the Cayman Islands. For the past 23 years, David has been a nationally syndicated radio talk show host with both Westwood One and Premier Radio Clear Channel Communications, his show, David Essel Alive, is heard around the world on iHeartRadio. So on that, welcome, my friend, to Provocative Enlightenment. Welcome, Mr. David Essel. Eldon, I couldn't be in a better place. I feel like home with you. This is awesome. Well, well that's great. You know, I love your book. Obviously, I do. I wrote the foreword, so a little bit of, you know, uh, truth-telling at this point in time. Uh, yeah. 
you you uh, you're preaching to the choir when you and I share ideas on this subject of positive thinking. So you heard today's spotlight. How important yeah. do you think this notion of self-imposed limitation is? Well, you know, I just did this really short video this morning, Eldon, on are we a lemming or a leader? You know, and <laughs> and 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 I and I say in the video, in the world of positive thinking, I was a lemon. Uh, for the longest period of time, you know, lemmings are, are those little creatures that if one jumps off the, the cliff, of course, 10,000 follow to their death. Right. And, you know, and, and we in, in this world of positive thought and affirmations and everything, you know, I, I became a lemming. Uh, you know, going back to when I started in 1980, one of the greatest quotes I ever read that I preached on for years was, if you can uh, believe it, you can achieve it. And I thought it was true. Because I was a lemming, Eldon. I was a lemming. You know, and, and then it goes further. And all these different things that have come up with the law of attraction and the secret and all the where we become lemmings. You know, we just sort of follow. Well, why? Because Oprah said it or, or someone else. And I love Oprah, so it's not a knock against Oprah. But, you know, because someone of authority says it's true, we fall into alignment and we just go and start preaching it. And then all of a sudden, Eldon, I started to look around and said, so many things I've taught in the past were not reality. They're myth. You know, they're myth that we want to be true. Is there some portion of truth to all those things? Absolutely. But are they absolute true to the point where I and so many people preached it and believed it? And the answer is absolutely not. And that's when I reached out to you, to, and I reached out to 10 other New York Times bestselling authors and experts, and we did the book, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, the myth of positive thinking, the reality of success. And it comes down to that, what you were talking about in your open about whatever we believe to be true about the person that was told they were stupid or they weren't good at math. We have hundreds of examples in the book about people like that, that finally shattered following someone else's beliefs, created their own, and a new world opened up. All right, well, let's, let's take this subject apart kind of systematically if we can. Thoughts are magnetic. That's the law of attraction, you know? Yeah. So all you have to do is you just think it, and sooner or later, your thoughts will bring it to you. They'll attract it to you. Now, that's got to have been at some point a platform that you incorporated in your positive thinking spiels, right? Eldon, you live in my head. I <laughs> so what changed that. your mind? <laughs> well, you, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what changed my mind. Um, in, in 1996, I interviewed Maharishi Mahesh Yogi on our syndicated radio show. And for your listeners uh, who are familiar, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the founder of Transcendental Meditation. And in 1956, he brought it up from the archives of the Ayurvedic teachings. It had been hidden for years. He brought it into mainstream. He got the Beatles to buy into it. The Beatles became his biggest profits. He went out all over the world promoting it. In 1996, on the 40th anniversary, we were selected as the only major media outlet in the United States to have him on to celebrate the, the 40th anniversary of TM. That's and cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And Transcendental Meditation, of course, has been, you know, it, it's probably the most highly studied, double-blind, placebo-controlled meditation technique that I know of in the world. And right. so I was excited to have him on. Well, he comes on the show, and he's, he's joyful, and he's giggling, Eldon, and he's like just this most outrageously high-energy, 
high education. I, I would ask him questions. He would tell me, Eldon, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. He, he was so far above me that then, then the next question I'd ask, he would, he would talk and I would logically understand, and then another one. But anyway, throughout the whole thing, it was pure joy. I could not remember at the end of the show a thing that he said. I couldn't. And I said to my producer, you know, the week before we had Deepak on, the week before that we had Wayne Dyer on. I can remember the points they made. I can't remember anything with, with Maharishi. Three weeks later, fast forward, I'm at speaking at a large event in Orlando. I get off the stage. A woman's waiting for me. She buys me coffee, and she said, I just flew in from Des Moines, Iowa, Maharishi International University. Maharishi asked me to fly in to ask you one question. What do you remember from his interview with you? Wow. <laughs> and I thought it was a joke. You know, I looked at her, I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You flew in from Fairfly, I would ask me that question. I don't have the answer. And she said, yes, you do. I said, I'm not kidding you. I don't remember a thing. She said, David, you must remember one thing. I said, okay, I'm going to pull this out of the hat. It's just that he was filled with joy. And she gave me this very beautiful smile, and she said, this may be hard to understand, but you remembered his joy because you have none. Wow. And, Eldon, it was like this. So I became very defensive, and I said, I don't even think you know who you're talking to. I have more joy than anyone I know. I live on the beach. I drive this car. I host this show. I write these books, blah, blah, blah. And she said, I know it's hard to hear. But at some point in the future, you will see that the reason the only thing you remember is because you're in denial of the fact that you don't have what you remembered Maharishi the most for. And with that, I ended the interview. She got up, left, I left, and I just said, you know, I love Maharishi, but I don't like her. <laughs> you know, okay. like, I, don't know. I don't know who this person is. Three weeks later, I come, a Tuesday afternoon, 1996, 2.30 in the afternoon, I come out of a four-day alcohol cocaine binge. And I looked up at this guy, and I said, I have no joy. Now, for 20 years before that, even doing this work, I was an addict alcoholic the whole time. I helped people get sober. I was in complete denial. But every morning I said this, Eldon. I woke up and I had this powerful affirmation because I believe thoughts attract things. Yes, I did used to believe that. Thoughts attract things. If you think it hard enough with, emo with enough emotion and you do it long enough and strong enough, you're going to attract whatever it is. And every morning I got up with the same affirmation. I am a child of God, happy, healthy, and sober today. And at 8 o'clock that night, for 20 years, I was drinking. Wow. In my awakening, thank God to Maharishi Mahesh, uh, uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and to the, the woman from the university, it was the greatest understanding that thoughts, unless it's a miracle, will attract not a damn thing other than thoughts. And I know that's a brazen statement. 20% of all the people I've interviewed, Eldon, in 24-plus years on radio, all these mega stars, not one of them ever said to me that they attracted their millions of dollars, their great body, their incredible, long-lasting relationship, their oneness with God via their thoughts. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, David. You know, so what you're saying is uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with this best-selling notion called the secret. And uh, 
Do you want to flesh that fundamentally wrong out? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the secret in the law of attraction, 20% of the successful people I've interviewed, and if I look at 20% of my life, 20% of what they do is based on the law of attraction and the secret. It's based on the, the fact that thought has some power. But it's not based on the fact that thought will attract millions of dollars, the perfect body, or anything else that you want to talk about. So there is some truth to those things. But they're not absolute truths, and that's one of the problems in our get-rich-quick and in our instant gratification society. Over the years, we have been attracted to those things that we do nothing but achieve everything. So, you know, and, and let's look at a 10-hour day, Eldon, and this is a pretty simple way to, to, to do this. If someone were to put 20% of their day into affirmations, visualization, building vision boards, meditation, prayer, that would be two hours out of a 10-hour day. I think that's adequate. Now, what about the 80% that's left? Now, all these people that have found God, great, got a great body, made millions of dollars, found deep love, created deep love, forgave someone who had an affair, and recreated deep love, those eight hours are normally put into, according to all these people I've interviewed, are put into doing, at first, those things we don't want to do. But what's happened with the law of attraction and the secret is that they reversed it. You know, they've said, no, you need to focus on a better vision board, using um, affirmations beginning with the word I am. Oh, you're not using enough emphasis with emotion? That's the problem. You know, so we, we've made it so simplified and, and so easy, but gosh, I don't know, unless you're going to enlighten me with something that I, I'm totally open to learning, I don't know anyone that is sitting and materializing any massive changes in their life unless it's a miracle. You know I'm not going to be the one to enlighten you. I have taken the law of attraction on so many times in public speaking events. In fact, I've taken it on person to person with some of these folks that want to, well, let, let me share one with you, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you know all about the Sedona Sweat Lodge deaths. Bob yeah. Proctor, a leading advocate of the law, insisted that James Ray, another leading advocate of the law of attraction, a big teacher of it, actually attracted this horrible tragedy. He created it because of his thoughts. And, and, and when I hear things like that, or someone looks at, 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 at a, a person who has been a victim of a crime, um, or, or who's lost their credit cards at some kind of event, and they say, "Well, you you know, you must have done something. You must be thinking that. You must be attracting that. I mean, everything that comes to you comes to you because of the law of attraction. I mean, you know, thoughts are magnetic. I am so repelled by that. This old cop mentality of me wants to, you know, take a hold of them by the wrist, and you know, it's just no. I totally, I am on your page. But while we're on that, you know." What would you say are then the three biggest reasons people fail when they try to practice the power of positive thinking? Because we both believe in the power of positive thinking, but as you said, it's just this, this part of it. It's how I set up the expectation. It's how I remove the walls, the barriers, so that, in a sense, I've set my GPS but I've got to get my engine running before I can go anywhere with that GPS. 
You know, exactly. When, when we look at the people that are most successful, and I want to repeat this, as a matter of fact, you know, in, in your story, in our book about the genie, you, you have 300, and probably more by now, 300 DVDs, CDs, that Eldon has created in the world of subliminal thinking and the mind and your books and everything else that you do. Okay. Now, those things did not come to Eldon Taylor by him sitting and creating a vision board that says, I have created 300 of the top CDs, DVDs, and books in the world in the power of the mind. It, it came by you investing effort, time, and, money, and energy into you. Effort, time, energy, and money. Effort, time, energy, and money. For our listeners of the show, please write this down. In order for us to get something that we don't have right now, you must be willing to invest time, money, and energy into you above and beyond what you did yesterday. That means that you've got to put more time into that goal, that dream, than you did yesterday, more money invested into your – is it reaching out to a business coach? Is it reaching out to a minister? Is it reaching out to a personal trainer? Is it reaching out to a financial consultant? What is it? But we have to look at those three steps, those three massive keys. I, and, and I always tell people – I'm going to ask you to hold it on that. Time, money, and energy. Everybody write that down. We've got a hard break coming up here. So yeah. when we get back from the break, we'll pick that up. We're speaking with Mr. David Essel about his life and new book – Positive thinking will never change your life. And I'm going to tell you, you know, you, you, it's a great book. You want to get this book. To learn more about our guest and his work, visit his website at David Essel. That's E-S-S-E-L, davidessel.com. Okay, we have a video for you today featuring our guest discussing the question, do you want too much? So be sure and join Ravinder in the chat room. If you're listening on the dial, remember you can check the chat room out when you're next in front of your computer by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. Yeah. 
Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're chatting with David Essel about his life and new book, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life. Now, we ask our guests for their favorite music. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because I kind of collect this. It's a bit of a hobby. I match the who's who folks out there with what their favorite piece of music. Why? Well, music psychology is a new field of research with practical relevance in many areas including investigations of human aptitude, skill, intelligence, creativity, personality, and social behavior. Indeed, music's been shown to change the way you think. And we can get a good deal of self-disclosure from some of the musical choices our guests make. All right, we just played some of Titanium by David Guetta. Now, those are some pretty hardcore lyrics, David. So please tell us, why is this music important to you, and how does it instruct us about who you are? Oh, my gosh. You know, well, first of all, I am titanium. I, I, I have always believed indestructible, totally indestructible. You know, my addictions. My addictions could take me down, and they did. But I rose above. You know, I, I've lost millions of dollars in real estate by gambling in real estate. But I came back. You know, and, and I don't set myself up on a conscious level anyway <laughs> to go through these things. But I do know, you know, when I look back over the gosh thirty years of doing this work, is that no matter what I've gone through, I have come out stronger. I have come out more powerful and, and even probably for my coaching and counseling work, I've come out more understanding. You know, you, you can't go through the crucible, the fire, and titanium. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine who's a jeweler a number of years ago made me this titanium cross, and this is way before the song came out. And, um, and I got this gift in the mail, and she said, titanium, it is who you are. And I, I look at that as, and it's, this is not a genetic trait. You know, David Essel doesn't have the lock on, on, on claiming that I'm, you know, made of titanium. This is something that comes from a belief that if you act out that belief, it becomes who we are. And that's, and, and Eldon, you know the book like I know the book that I just wrote. It's really the purpose of the book is to give people hope and to say, listen, your, your beliefs are as strong as your actions are. And if you follow your actions that are uncomfortable into the arena that proves those healthy beliefs to be true, you'll become titanium. And I know that that's a very low-key answer to what you asked. <laughs> Actually, it's a pretty good one. You shoot me down, but I won't fall. I'll take that one, David. So you consciously chose this. Okay. Now, you know, there, there's a bit of a paradox here. Uh, I want to get back to the time, money, and energy. But before we do, I want to pursue some of your explanation. Um, the paradox goes like this. You know, you're, uh, you're not everything you believe yourself to be. But you're not anything you don't believe yourself to be. Mm -hmm. Unpack that for us. Yeah, well, um, let's, let's go back to the whole secret law of attraction ridiculousness. Um, 
people will make statements, like I did with my affirmation. I'm a child mm-hmm. of God, happy, sober, blah, blah, blah. And people will say, I'm a millionaire. People will say, but, you know, those beliefs aren't true unless one of two things is happening. Either you're doing the action on a daily basis that's leading us towards becoming a millionaire, or you already are a millionaire. But the problem with this whole thing about beliefs, to me anyway, Eldon, is that, you know, we've become so lazy in thinking that we can just repeat certain things and become them, and we've left out that important part of the action. You know, we've interviewed so many athletes over the years. You know, um, Keith Mitchell, former NFL All-Pro linebacker, New Orleans right. Saints. You know, now two really cool stories about Keith. First of all. He played at Texas A&M, not a big guy at all, but his beliefs were so powerful that he took him into the weight room, into his training, and became an all-pro linebacker. But he was not a big guy. So there, there's, there's a fact that you know he had a belief much bigger than the coaches when he was growing up. Coaches all right. thought that he was talented, but never big enough to play in the NFL. Then something else happened that we wrote about in the book is he became paralyzed. And the belief was he would never move again, not, not just never walk again. He would never move again. Someone instilled a belief in his, bra- in his brain while he was laying in the hospital that if he learned how to breathe correctly and meditate and then learned how to do yoga and then learned how to and follow these Eastern principles, that he would more than walk again. So the belief was implanted in his brain. It went against all the medical doctors. He followed that belief through action, and he is now one of the top yoga gurus in the United States of America. Right. Now, you can tell story after story about people who have done the so-called impossible, you know, um, and but they've accomplished it because they combined their belief with their action. That's what, what, what the real bottom line is. Is that what you're saying, David? Yeah, and it's not just action, Eldon. It's uncomfortable action. Like, this is what we preach throughout the whole 270 pages of the book. It's, it's that it's not just enough to do busy work. It's not just enough to show up at a real estate office and sit there for 12 hours. You know, and I have a lot of real estate agents that become real estate agents because they want to be able to control their time and pick up their kids and play tennis and blah, 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 you know. So, you know, and they fall victim to this belief that, you know, real estate agents like to make a lot of money. No. You know what? Just like anyone else, if you want to make a lot of money, you got to do a lot of work. As a matter of fact, you know, Eldon, one of the things we talk about regarding beliefs, the percentage of Americans that make $250,000 a year or more is exactly 4%. I know. 4%. So for all of our listeners who have believed that if I think hard enough about becoming a millionaire, I will become it, well, I'll tell you what, ever since these thoughts came out in book, audios, weekend workshops, that 4% should at least be 25% of the U.S. population by now, if all it took was thinking. That's right. Um, So it's, it's action, but it's uncomfortable action. Now, This uncomfortable action we're talking about, whether it's getting up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym, or if it's recording every penny you spend, or whatever the uncomfortable action, learning how to meditate, for gosh sake, um, not snapping at your partner or your children, whatever that uncomfortable action is, if you repeat it on a daily basis enough, it simply becomes who you are. And so then when people say you can 
effort, I hate the word manifest, but I'm going to use it. You can, I'll say create. You can effortlessly create a great body or a lot of money. Well, that's after doing this for years and years and years, and then it just becomes who you are. Does that make sense? Well, it does, except for the use of the word effortlessly, because I think what you're really saying is you can't create it, but you're going to have to become uncomfortable in the process of creating. You're going to have to do something different. I mean, yeah. let me try this on. In my own lectures, you know, talk about, I, I very often ask the audience, how many of you want to make a million dollars? And everybody raises their hands, okay? Mm-hmm. So then I say, all right, now, in, in order to make a million dollars, you have to, you know, truly believe that you have that potential within you. So I want you to say to yourself, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And I want you to say it sincerely. It only takes a couple of seconds. You see people shaking their head negative and, you know, you, you know, eyes rolling. And the reason for that is because when they say that, they get this, this inner talk that comes back that says, sure, what are you going to do, rob a bank or something <laughs> right. like that, right. you know? And and then when you flesh it out further and you say, okay, in order to make a million dollars, now realize you're going to have to go at risk. You may have to quit your job and do something different. You may have to mortgage your home, borrow money, but you're going to have to go at risk. You're going to have to do something entirely different than what you're doing today. The belief alone won't make it. You have to put that action or energy behind it. Now, that's what I mean by you needing to move into that uncomfortable space. You agree with that? Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, when I wanted to learn to meditate in 1987, 88, it took me a year, Eldon, of listening to audio cassettes. I couldn't learn to do it on my own. It took me a year of listening to someone else's voice. And that's, and this is no kidding, 365 days. I could never sit still with myself. At the end of the year, then I enrolled in a Transcendental Meditation course, and I was glad I did the year prior. And then after that, I I can meditate in a plane, in a bus, I can meditate anywhere. But it took 365 days of me practicing in order to make it my reality. And, you know, in our work of 30 years, what we've found that we, we share in the book is that you know, on average, and, and some people hate to hear the reality of life, but on average, it takes about 12 months to shatter the old patterns, both beliefs and behaviors, to create something brand new that is big. You know, that's big, like losing 100 pounds or getting sober or becoming financially solvent. I mean, it takes, and sometimes longer, but at least 12 months of repetitive thought plus behavior towards a major goal to make it happen. So what you're really saying here then, David, is in order for someone, let's take your your money model, in order for somebody to become a millionaire, Mm -hmm. uh, using affirmations, using a vision board, doing all these kinds of things that they talk about doing, which, you know, tends to be popular because, we, you know, people like the easy way. I don't have to go at risk, et cetera, and so forth. That's very attractive. The fact of the matter is what you're telling everybody is the reason you grab that is because you're afraid to do what you need to do. Now, <laughs> is that true or false? That's you're afraid true. to do it. You know what? We're afraid of getting uncomfortable. 
we're afraid of being responsible. We're afraid of being held accountable to change. We, you know, we have these great fantasies that we spout January 1st for our New Year's resolutions, but we're afraid to do what it takes to get uncomfortable, to change the routine we're currently in. And, and, and just to even ground this a little bit more, for a person to make $250,000 a year, you have to earn $1,000 a day, five days a week, for about 47 weeks a year. You have, to, you have to do something to earn $1,000 a day. Now, when I break it down that much, Eldon, a lot of people will immediately go, well, I want, it. I want that. Yeah, but I'm, I don't know what I'll do to make it. Well, if you don't know what you're going to do to make $1,000 a day, you better figure it out. Yeah, and it's the, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the other thing is, I don't think, unless we're talking about, and maybe you fall into this category, even my mentor, Joe Cerulli, who's, you know, he was homeless and became a multi-crillionaire in a business people say you can't ever make money in. He owns health clubs, and he owns them in a tiny city in Florida. Anyway, like, you know, they, when, when he became a multi-multi-millionaire years ago, people are always, like, blown away saying, I don't know how he could do it because, you know, he, he's in an industry and he's in a tiny city and all this. Well, how did he do it? He put in more effort, more time, and more money into himself. He hired coaches. He's part of mastermind groups. This is for 40 straight years, Eldon. For 40 years, he's had consultants, coaches, and been a member of mastermind groups, which leads me to this next point, that whatever you want, that you truly want, if it's big, you'll probably never get it by yourself. The odds of you shattering 10, 20, 30, 40 years of belief systems and behaviors by yourself with something big getting sober, making $250,000 a year and joining the other 4% of Americans, um, losing weight and keeping it off, creating deep love, the odds of us doing it by ourselves are almost zero. Well, now, with that announcement, I suppose I understand why you created your coaching organization. Yeah, and you know what, Eldon? It's the reason that I have a, I've had coaches for 20-plus years. I am responsible every week to meet with my current coach, Marlene, every Wednesday at 1230. I, I haven't missed one in years. I'm never going to miss one unless she dies and I get someone new. And the only reason that I will tell you that I'm able to accomplish as much as I am above and beyond what even I think sometimes I can, is because I have someone holding me accountable that I have to do homework for every week. She and, and my mentor, it's her and Joe, you know, like those people, when I report to them, I don't want to let them down or me down. You know, we, I, I, this, the, the, this book that you wrote the forward to that you're in, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, Eldon, I did something with this. I even shattered my own beliefs with this one. I took a couple of months, you know, goofing around 15 minutes a day here and there, putting outlines together. Never more than 10 minutes a day, probably three days a week. I want to put this story in. I want to put that story in. It took me seven days to write the book. That's it. This, this, I, 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 I've created this system of how to write a book now, and I did it in seven days, and it even blew my mind. You know, I did like I didn't have a belief it was possible, but I said, you know what, let me try it. So I organized it differently than books I've written in the past. 
I set this really vacant time, a couple weeks wide open, no work, so I could just be present for the book. But the first week, I didn't do any writing whatsoever. And then the second week, I had seven days. I said, you know, I think I can do this. And the book was done in seven days. Now, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, now, you know, you have several co-authors in this book. Or yeah, contributors. Have... That's probably the, the best yeah. term is contributors. You have several contributors in here. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Lewis, Ariel Ford, Natalie Pace, uh, J.J. Virgin, Diane Collins, Diane Gray, Greg Braden, on and on and on and on. You have yeah. many, many contributors to the book. Uh, you put it all together. You had to be reading what these contributors were contributing. So when you were all said and done... Did the book change you in any way, David? Oh, dramatically. Number one, well, and I will tell you this, of the words written by the contributors, they, that was 15% of the book was mm-hmm. contributors' words. Right. It, I wanted people to be really concise and to the point, and if we have a chance, one of the most powerful stories I want to share about belief systems is Scarlett Lewis. But, um, you know, how it changed me, number one, is the energy, Eldon, that I got from working with you and all those people that you mentioned was off the charts. When, when you sent your writing in and I'm reading it, I'm getting so fired up. When Scarlett Lewis sent hers in, the, the more I'm getting in, the more, not, not only am I more convinced that this is the right thing to do, but you guys all validated my work. So it profoundly changed me. You know, like, I've interviewed you many times on my radio show, and Scarlett and J.J. and all these other people. And to be able to work with you at the level that we did, you and the other writers, was unbelievably powerful. As a matter of fact, my next book that I'll be starting on at the end of the summer um, is on codependency, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to reach out to get people like you who are very powerful writers and experts and, and because it's going to energize me. So, yeah, so the end result was this amazing project that energized me at a level I never thought it would. Well, you really got some some wonderful contributions. And I'm not going to miss a chance then. Tell us about Scarlett Lewis. Tell us about her contribution. What what what, what, what does she have to say about the power of belief? Yeah, so, you know, we a lot of us are raised with this stuff about, you know, um, forgive that person because it, it's the right thing to do. It's the Christ thing to do. It's the Buddha nature thing to do. And, you know, and so it sounds so lovely, you know, like forgive them because they do not know what they've done. I mean, we, we can come up with all kinds of stuff. Turn the other cheek. Well, it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> It's, it's an absolute bunch of nonsense. I don't know anyone that's truly ever forgiven someone because it's the right thing to do, or it's the Christ thing to do, or it's the Buddha thing to do, and have it last, Eldon. Right. Of course, of course it's the Christ thing to do and the Buddha thing to do, but if that's all you do, you're doing it because it's the right thing and you don't do any deeper work, that, that kind of forgiveness is going to last until you see that person again. And then you're or coming. until you think of the event that you're... You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, until or someone mentions their name, right? And, right. and then you're going to get all riled up again. So Scarlett Lewis, her story was so profound. Her son, Jesse, six years of age, vibrant, precocious, a beautiful little boy, went to school and never came home because he was one of the 21 people killed in the Sandy Hook Elementary School Massacre. 
No. And Scarlett, I have I had her on the show the first time six months after I couldn't believe six months after the shooting her son was killed that she was going to come on the air and talk about it. I couldn't believe it, you know. And so I got her on the air and we're talking and I'm crying on the air. She's not, but I am because I just could not imagine what it's like to have a little child killed. And so as we as I interviewed her multiple times over a couple of years. I started asking her about, you know, what level of forgiveness are you? And she started out at 75%, and then six months later I'm interviewing her, she's at 85%, and I'm asking her, how did you do it? And, you know, like, did you use positive things? And she said, oh, gosh, David, you know, so many people would try to say things like, well, he's in a better place. A better place than what? He's six years old, for God's sake. Yeah, no kidding. You know, um, or God needed another angel, or all this nonsense. So I said, okay, and, and that's, you know, what people are with well-meaning intentions. They're not trying to hurt you, but they just don't know. And what about uh, Adam Lanza, the killer? You're at 85 or not, Like, how the heck did you, forgi- did you just forgive him? And she said, no. I went into my rage and my anger, David. Day after day after day, I used every technique in the world to go into my rage and anger instead of away from it. And I allotted myself a certain number of hours today a day to write about that rage and anger. And it's because I was willing to go into that darkness that I am now saying, Adam Lanza may have taken my son Jesse, but he won't interfere with my life or my other son JT's life. But she didn't do it via positive thinking. She was able to forgive him by going into the recesses of her brain, heart, and soul and exorcising the rage and anger. David Essel, it's always great to talk to you. We have about uh, 45 seconds, so in that time, I want you to tell everybody how they can reach out, learn more about you, more about what you do, and get your book. Oh, my gosh, Eldon. The the easiest website to remember is talkdavid.com, T-A-L-K-David.com. TalkDavid.com, that's where you can find out more about the book, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, The Myth of Positive Thinking, The Reality of Success, and all of our coaching work is there. And I want to thank you so much, too, for the powerful forward you wrote, for the powerful article that you contributed to the book, Eldon, and for being on the show today. Absolutely love your work. Well, thank you very much, David. And, you know, I guess it's a mutual admiration society. You know I think very, very highly of you. And this is a significant contribution. It uh, may uh, it may level the playing field for a lot of people who really otherwise feel like they're failing once again. They've tried everything, and now the law of attraction doesn't work for them either. They've yeah, anyway, David. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your work and for your willingness to share it with us. Absolutely. We've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. 
If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at eldentaylor.com.